Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. My name is Meredith, and I will be your humble host. Serving Love is an exploration around some of the paths to show up and live as love and to be of service to something greater than ourselves. We will dive deep into topics such as sacred sex, God, goddess, spirituality, and an array of modalities in the world of personal growth. I feel so honored to have the privilege to share with you here. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest and a very dear friend, Om Rupani. Hi, Om. Hello. Howdy. Hi, welcome. I'm so happy to have you today. Happy to be here. Oh my goodness, I see your, oh my, your little mischievous smile. I, love I have no idea where we are going today, so this is going to be an adventure. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Yay! Oh, yeah. So I love to tell the story of how Om and I met. I was like a little girl at that point. When we met, I was like 23. <laughs> so young. I'm 34 now. And a mutual, well, actually what happened was you were teaching a full day at the One Taste Orgasm Mastery Program. And you had somebody on stage and you were flogging them and she had gone nonverbal and I was terrified and turned on and I was like, did not know what the fuck to do with myself. (laughs) And then I think I told a friend of ours, Ruan, about it and then he connected us the next day via email and I about shit myself. (laughs) (laughs) I was like still so new had no idea about any of this stuff and here i am being connected to you i think i think what you're describing are the actual steps in the pursuit of desire and turn on that's right see something you like be terrified with it shit yourself reach out (laughs) do it anyway Anyway, and then I remember getting on the rickety old D train up to Harlem, <laughs> probably in some cute little summer dress, looking yeah. so innocent. Get to your place, and I just walked in the door, and you have this presence that is, it is, um, it's big. Like you have a big presence. It does have me feel like kind of like quiet. Now it's a little different after all these years. But then I just remember having no idea what I was walking into. And we sat down in your gorgeous living room and you handed me this sheet for us to go over together. And I had no idea what half of this stuff was at that point. So I'm curious what that experience um, like, what was that experience like for you? It was very sweet. It's uh, it's very endearing in a way. Mm. It's a very tender place to see someone uh, who has felt a desire in their system. And they don't have all the answers. They don't even know what the desire is about. Mm. But they have felt enough of a pull to say, hey, I really want to investigate this. And it's awkward and it's scary. And I think it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that stage of exploration I actually find quite endearing. It takes courage to say, I have all this trepidation. I have all this, uh, I don't know what's going on. And yet, 
the desire is there, so I want to pursue it. I want to see what's there. So mm -hmm. I find that place quite lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm getting a little teary-eyed thinking about it. It is so tender and vulnerable to show yeah. up and yeah. say, I don't know. I don't even know what this means or what I'm doing here, but I know I need to be here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is. I think it's quite beautiful. I think it, it, in the case of women, especially who feel drawn to exploring BDSM from kind of where I, where I'm sitting today and the amount of time I've spent exploring this, teaching this, practicing this, I would say that is actually the awakening or the call of the submissive archetype. The, the woman doesn't know it yet. If she continues her journey, she kind of realizes that a little bit down the line that she may not even know what a submissive archetype is when she comes in. But I think these are very much archetype awakenings. There is something in us that awakens and feels, I have some expression in this direction. There is some knowledge waiting for me. There is some uh, self-realization waiting for me in this direction. And it calls to you a little bit. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, we get we think it's about the physicality because that's what the mind can compute. Mm -hmm. I saw a woman get flogged. I got a little turned on by it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to be flogged and see what it's like. Mm -hmm. That's as much as the mind can compute. Right. But I think a little bit later on, what what I think really happens is you saw a woman embodying her submissive archetype. Mm -hmm. that stirred your submissive archetype and she's like I want expression too mm -hmm. so I think that's actually a very lovely journey to take mm -hmm. so beautiful Yeah. and I also want to speak to I, I felt scared and nervous but I also immediately felt safe in your presence and just how important that was for me to feel that level of safety right. like I always felt when I sat down on that couch that I was safe, that you were always going to be in integrity with our agreements. Like I could just feel that from the very beginning. Right. And yeah. so that led to us having this, like building this, this beautiful journey together and a friendship. And now it's been over 10 years. And I just remember like, I would come see you and we'd have a scene. And <laughs> this one time you had me, like ball gag on pushed up against a window and like people are walking by on New York City street I was sweating profusely <laughs> like oh, I was oh my good God. times <laughs> but then I think I like ran home after that and probably didn't call you back for like a month I was so freaked out but just how sweetly you never pushed me you know to go any further than I was ready to like yeah you would always check on me, make sure I was okay. And then when I was ready again, I would show up and you'd have open arms. There was never any resentment or anything. And I just no, think... Why would I have any resentment? And I would like to, you know, uh, emphasize, I don't remember the specific scene you're talking about, <laughs> but if I ball gagged you, it's because you had checked that off on the sheet. Oh, 100%. If I pressed you against a window is because you had expressed a desire in public display and public yes. humiliation. Mm -hmm. So nothing is done gratuitously or even if you're doing something that's edgier, it isn't really being done on the fly. 
Those totally. are things. Those are things you enjoy, Missy. Those are things you get <laughs> off on. You can you can blame your dom and say my dom just stripped me down and ball gagged me and shoved me out the window. I'm like, it doesn't exactly happen like that. And you know it. It's a very detailed form, and pretty much anything like that that happens in a scene is because you asked for it, you requested it. And not to mention that at any point in the scene, you could have made a request that something be different. No, of course, of course. And I always felt that. Thank you for so to me, there is never a matter of like, I don't really have much of an agenda on where you want to go in a scene. I don't really care. Yeah. If somebody new comes in and says, I want to keep my clothes on and I want to experience a little bit of bondage rope on top of my clothes. I'm like, okay, that's the scene. Mm-hmm. I don't really care what happens in the scene. Yeah. So I'm curious what it is like for you because you do pour out so much and the amount of love that I feel pouring out of you is it's it's amazing and I'm curious what it's like for you you know when somebody shows up and says something like that or what they want and what is that like on your end well my desire is always to embody the dom archetype well to hold good space for my submissive to first and foremost give my submissives great containment mm-hmm to make them feel held in that space. And then from there, I don't know, my I'm a, I'm a pretty straightforward dom. I'm like, give the submissive what the submissive wants. I don't really have much of an agenda. Mm-hmm. This is why I have people fill out the preference and consent form, and that's where I build from. Mm-hmm. And whatever the desires are, wherever the desire uh, track is in the submissive system, let's just follow that, mm-hmm. see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I think it's a wonderful way to proceed. It's the way I teach people to dom. It's the way I teach my practitioners to dom. That scenes are built around the submissive's desires. So find out what the submissive's desires are and then give them what they want. You don't really need to complicate the matter too much. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I'm curious where all of this started for you. Like, when did you get started in this? What had, what had your desire, like, what piqued your desire? Well, I think it actually was a happy accident, uh, one of those faded accidents, I think, in our lifetimes, which is uh, my my very first introduction to BDSM was I just went and took an evening class in rope bondage. Mm-hmm. And even my motive for doing that was not to necessarily get into BDSM, is because I'm a photographer and that I had seen beautiful pictures of women in bondage rope. And I was like, I, I want to do that. I want to do a series that looks really hot, that looks really beautiful. I should learn to tie that rope so I can tie it on my models and photograph. Mm. It was really aesthetic pursuit. It was, it, was a, it was truly like I should acquire this skill for a photography project. Wow. And then I went and learned some basic bondage rope and I came home and I <clears throat> tied my women and tied some other people and Watched them fall into subspace. Watched what happened to their system. And observing that and feeling into that was like a new door cracking open. Mm. It was a very big phenomenon to see what bondage rope does to the system. Right? I didn't have the language for it then, but how deeply it creates containment, how much it facilitates the receptivity to eros. 
when somebody is in that state. And to me, that was like almost like a magical perception, like what is happening here? Mm. Right. There was a small, as I said, the, the image that I always uh, comes to mind is like, you know, you know, one of those uh, Harry Potter rooms, I think they call it the room of requirement. <laughs> where it's a it's a regular sized door and it cracks open and you peek inside and it's like a warehouse and you can't even see the end of it uh, mm-hmm. like a like a regular door with something really big and mysterious and rich behind it and it was a little bit like that door cracking open to me into the bdsm room and then once i started exploring it it was like something really deep called to me called to my own archetype my own Dom archetype to step into that and uh, explore. And the journey still continues. So it's been really amazing. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And um, what I love in particular about like how you teach is how you, how you like, there's so much synergy between Tantra and BDSM. So I'm curious, you know, you're learning about bondage and BDSM and Tantra because the way you teach it is a very particular flavor that I really don't see anywhere else and that's why I was so drawn to you is because I feel there's so much heart in what you teach it's like for a purpose there's so much purpose and heart right but to me they seem to integrate actually quite naturally because to me the focus has always been on what is happening in the submissive system? Mm-hmm. How is the system moving from all the various things we do in a BDSM scene? And the system is the same system whether a human being is practicing BDSM, whether they're doing Tantra, whether they're doing yoga, whether they're doing Tai Chi, whether they're doing martial arts. You know, our system is our system. Our chakras are our chakras. Our energies are our energies. And I think different modalities move our energies and there's always a continuum that the way this thing does it is also the way this thing does it so to me there's always an overlap Mm -hmm. there's a continuum our systems are not going to entirely different places when you're self-pleasuring to when you're doing yoga to when you're going for a jog to when you're doing medicine Mm -hmm. journeys our system is our system Mm -hmm. and things are happening inside of it so me too to me that kind of it all kind of falls in the same reference frame. I don't feel these are any practice we do. We're essentially playing with our psyches, with our energetic bodies, with the movement of energies in our systems. Mm-hmm. So I feel it's actually a great reference point to keep the chakra system in mind, to keep the energetic body in mind, and then see what is happening in it when we do different things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've always felt that with you, like your level of attunement to what is needed. <clears throat> I know I've had some times where I've come to you and been like, you're like, Well, what do you need today? And I'll say, Oh, I need to be spanked and you'll you'll feel my system. And I remember one time I said that and you felt into me and then you just grabbed me and held me and I just cried and cried and cried. And yeah. that's what I needed. And yeah. Um, it feels so safe to feel like this person who is the Dom can, can be attuned at that level to know what is, what is truly needed in the moment. Yeah. I think that is the, that is the correct way to do it. That is the, 
the listening part, I think, is is what the DOM's skill and mastery should be. And listen to the submissive system and respond to it instead of having an agenda that our scene should include X, Y, and Z. And I think the best DOMs out there do that. They really do that. Mm-hmm. They're brilliant at listening to their submissive systems. They're brilliant at moving their submissive system in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's great to ask the submissive. It's great to start the conversation there. And then even beyond that, to kind of trust one's own system and check in. Mm-hmm. So that what the, what you're describing happens often. It often happens in the direction of less stimulation. What I mean by that is submissives will often come in and say, oh, I want a heavy flogging today. I want to be spanked so I can have this release. Mm-hmm. And then you feel your system and you're like, not really feeling it. Mm-hmm. Not really feeling the call for heavy impact play today in your system. And then try something else and it usually works out. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's always better to respond to the system to listen to the system. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I feel so fucking spoiled that I got you for my first foray into this. A little bit. I it, this is a this is a challenge I find in teaching BDSM. This is a challenge I find in teaching to men because men they like to have formulas a little bit. They like to have. Um, they want to deliver, but then they 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 create stuff substitutes for actual listening, mm. for actually being present. They want to make sure they're not going to fail, so they can like, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Or uh, she told me she likes X, so I'm just going to go do X. How can I go wrong? She said she wanted it. But what they skip in the middle is the listening part and simply surrendering to that a little bit and trusting that a little bit. They panic. Yeah. They don't listen. They don't respond in the moment. And they then they turn mechanical in their approach. And oftentimes the women, the submissives, will feel the mechanical approach. Yes. That the dom is going through his toolkit. He is going through his motions. And he may be, he may be skilled in delivering a flogging and all that, but it, she, he isn't necessarily in Congress and communion and listening with the submissive system at the moment. And I think the high art of sensuality really is there. Mm-hmm. This is the problem with teaching men BDSM. This is also the biggest problem pornography has created. Oh, yes. That there's, there's, there's a time when a hard cock pumping in you for 20 minutes is just what you need. But there are plenty of times when it isn't. Mm-hmm. So when men think, well, this is what successful fucking looks like. This is what a successful sexual man looks like. Get your cock up, get it hard. Hopefully it's nice and big and pound away without coming. This is what good sex is. And that's all that good sex is they turn boring and uninteresting. So this is a formulaic part that the masculine mind has that kind of sabotages their greater mastery oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And so you think that when men specifically start to learn this art, 
that that starts to shift where they can let go of these. I certainly try to teach them that. And I think the way I teach it regarding containment and penetration, containment being, you know, the space holding and the energetic holding and the quietness, mm. and penetration referring to any form of stimulation. When they actually get the containment piece, which is not very glamorous, it is very quiet, it is very still. When they learn to master that, they almost start trusting their systems more. Otherwise, they are very prone to action. Right. So that seems to be like the hardest thing sometimes is to have them slow down and actually pay attention to the art of creating containment in the submissive system. And this is also an ongoing training, even outside the BDSM realm, whenever I'm doing uh, coaching for couples is to train men into giving containment to their women. Mm -hmm. I think that actually brings them into an organic listening of their women's system, mm -hmm. which is a nice way to teach it. Yeah, will you speak to a little bit about the submissive archetype and the dom archetype, just for anybody listening who maybe doesn't fully get like the nuances of that? Yeah. Uh, I would say these are kind of hierarchical and complementary archetypes. They go together, right? The dom archetype kind of thrives on holding the space for the submissive, on creating a ride for the submissive right, on kind of almost bringing the darker elements of eros to the submissive, creating a permission field for that expression to happen. And I think the submissive archetype is brilliant at being receptive, at taking a journey, at going on a ride, at being accepting to that dominance, because it is it opens up the pathway to the submissive's eros and expression. And it's a it's a nicely matched dance that they can do together, right? The dom pours their enjoys pouring their energy and attention into the submissive, and submissives receives that energy graciously and has their eros moved, and that's a really great way for the two people to meet. Beyond that, the dom sub archetypes they're really full fledged and complex archetypes. You can extend it beyond the scene, beyond the erotic realm into relational realm. People can live as dom and sub. People can relate to each other outside of Eros as dom and sub, as leader and follower, if that works for them. So the depth of these archetypes is, is quite very intricate and lovely, and there's a lot of discovery possible in it. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. But most people come into it because they discover that their eros is better expressed in the dom and sub archetype compared to in the husband and wife archetype or the boyfriend and girlfriend archetype. And this is a very, actually a very rich topic. I'm probably going to be making a series of videos on this regarding, to me, these archetypes are really real. I know most people, it took me years to really understand how real the archetypes are. I almost these days see them as having different energetic signatures in our body, mm -hmm. right? Imagine that we have an energetic body and if we could see our energetic body and almost like see it on a screen and then you would tell a person, okay, let's have you go into your submissive archetype. You would see that energetic configuration shift. It will be a particular signature. And if you told the same woman, okay, now go into your mother archetype, 
you would see her energetic system shift. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very distinct. And if you look at it from that perspective, if you see how distinct these archetypes are within us, right? they're not like multiple personalities, but they are essentially facets of our being that are very different from each other. Eros actually doesn't live in the wife archetype or the mother archetype. It lives in the submissive archetype. Oh, interesting. Okay. It is interesting. And this is this <laughs> is is it that you can people may disagree with it. Erotic expression, especially for a woman, and it's better to start this conversation for the woman, for the feminine. Nature doesn't really care about your erotic expression. Nature cares that you get pregnant and plop out another baby. Right. And that's the wife archetype. It's the wife archetype, it's the mother archetype. Wife archetype is about uh, maintaining stability, raising the children. You have done all this work to bring this baby into the world, now take care of it so it doesn't die in infancy and your efforts are wasted. Raise it to adulthood so it can have babies of its own. These are obviously very important and sacred missions in life, to be a mother, to be a wife, to bring children into this world, to raise them well till they're adults on their own. Obviously, it's needed. Without that, we can't even go on. But erotic expression doesn't live in either of these archetypes. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't. I think Nature what... doesn't care if you have a if you have a thriving erotic life after you have given birth. We don't care. Nature doesn't care. Right. So where is this archetype? And and this is also why there's a deep frustration for long term couples. Mm -hmm. How many stories have you heard? Like, I love my partner. We have a great life. I don't want to ruin my relationship. There's so much good here. I just don't have Eros. Right. And what I can offer them is reconfigure your relating so that you are relating also in the Dom sub archetype. Make room for the Dom sub archetype because that's where the Eros is hidden. Mm -hmm. So when we start talking about archetypes, I think the conversation can get very deep and very rich. Mm -hmm. Within these two, but this is like one main area where people who may have no interest in BDSM, people who may who have made no interest in in archetypes, this ends up in their field because they they have a they have a very consistent problem, which is uh, having vibrant eros in a long term relationship, and they can't solve this problem. Nobody can solve this problem for the eight billion people on the planet. Therapists <laughs> have nothing to offer them. Or maybe you. No, I'm like. Maybe me and maybe other people who have understood that polarity is what's needed and that polarity of the Dom sub dynamic is vibrant in creating that eras. So how can we access that? And that involves switching your channels and making room for those archetypes, getting away from the mother archetype, the wife archetype, even the girlfriend archetype, which is a different conversation, <laughs> coming to a submissive archetype. Right. So what I hear is that it's about learning the kind of energetic agility because you will need to have the wife archetype if you're taking yes. care of the kids. But then it's like, okay, but now it's time for us to be in another place when we want Eros. And so yeah. now how do we how do we like switch to this place? Yes, very much so. Yeah, thank you. I love that the way that yeah. you described that. So good. Um, yeah, and I'm I, for my own curiosity. I know you have this amazing program that you teach with Lauren Harkness, um, and this is all about women in the sub archetype. And I'm curious, would you give us the download on what what that looks like? And 
Well, the course I'm teaching with Lauren is actually to train women practitioners who want to be dominatrices. Mm -hmm. But uh, most women, including all the women who are in our program, in their personal life, in their personal expression, are submissives. Their own joy is in submission, which is fine, which is great, which is the way it is. And then the class is about having them explore their own submissive archetype to have them take their own personal journeys. And then from that wisdom, from that expression, also acquire the mastery to step into their Dom archetype and be able to hold that space for their clients. So it's a very, very rich journey. It's a six-month container, but it is very much created on this model that first and foremost, take your own journey. Mm -hmm. And then from that wisdom that you acquire in deepening your submissive archetype and having your own catharsis and having your own expression, know that that's what your clients are looking for. And then also learn to hold the Dom archetype so you can take other people on those journeys. Right. So learning, right. you know, learning what it is to be on the other side in order. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which has always been a true and tried method in the BDSM community that even if you know that you are naturally a dom, to really learn what this art form is, sub first, surrender first, hand yourself over to a skilled dom, and that will really show you what this realm is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so good. And I love how like BDSM is such a powerful tool to help you shift into these archetypes so that we can have the kind of eros in our lives that we want and the kind yes. of intimacy like it creates such beautiful intimacy yeah i think it's deeply intimate i always tell people uh do bdsm play only with people you want to get closer to because your systems will this is again also where bdsm completely overlaps or is in a continuum with tantric principles that I think if we really surrender and be receptive and open up our eros, the energy very quickly travels from our sex center to our heart center, from the second chakra to the fourth chakra. And what often shows up is love and affection and devotion. Yes. These are, you know, these the, these were the other big surprises for me. This, to me, also is where I found the organic bridge between BDSM and Tantra because you wouldn't think devotion shows up in BDSM, but it does. It deeply does. And people who have been BDSM practitioners have known this for ages. Mm -hmm. That submission is about being in a deep state of devotion to the Dharma. Yes. That their heart energies are always involved, deeply involved. And that if the submissive is in a surrendered state, in a receptive state, the heart energies are bound to be stimulated and activated. Right? So you would not think devotion has a role in the dungeon, but it deeply does. <laughs> it really does. It may be surprising to people who have never practiced BDSM, but uh, there will be yeah, there'll be deep heart activations through anything. It could be, it doesn't even have to be a devotion scene. There have been people who have had entire heart meltdowns after receiving a flogging. So those kinds of activations happen in BDSM play all the time and they are exquisite. They're really beautiful. Yeah. 
they really confirm the the model of our energetic system that tantra presents mm -hmm. the entire tantric principles that we have these chakras and the energy moves from the first to the seventh especially when the blockages are removed, when we surrender the intermediate chakra, especially our third chakra, wherever pride and resistance lives, that if you actually open up your system, the energy will move upwards. BDSM demonstrates that. BDSM is a lab in which you can go and witness these energies moving. Right? Because the energy in BDSM practices moves so quickly. It's a very hot practice. It can move the energy very fast within a sink. Mm -hmm. And you can see where the submissive system goes and gets activated sure. when the energy is moving. And it's really amazing to observe. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I'd say more so than any other practice that I have experienced. And and I really do feel like it re it is a sacred contract when you come together like a dom sub, right? And And I have certainly experienced that devotion with you and also adoration yeah. like just oh my god like such deep gratitude to this yeah. this human being who is able to like so lovingly and skillful move your system i mean how many openings i've had in our our scenes like right. I, I mean it really opened me up in such a big way i it took me on such an incredible journey i mean whoa you know like i learned so much about myself through right through this and um so deeply grateful and i hear you i think this is why it is amazingly rewarding and beautiful to do this and to then see the movement see the release see the love see the catharsis you know and and that we do it with a gentle hand. It's like you're not reaching for it. Yes. It's great to like, we don't make any claims at the beginning of the scene that we are going to hit this point. Like, no. It's, just, it's great to like almost enter a scene with a shrug of the shoulder. Like, let's see. <laughs> I don't know where we're going today. Yeah. Right. But if you do it with that gentleness and with that uh, humility, the practices and the way the container is set up and the energetics, they are, I mean, they're really beautiful. Time and time again, every class I teach, the scenes I have, and then the notes I get from students and people I'm coaching, they're amazingly satisfying mm -hmm. because you hear the same stories. You hear the movement happening in people's system. And it's so wonderful to see people make the same discoveries for themselves. Right, you kind of teach them the process, and then they go do it, and they come back and say, "Oh my God, I never thought it would result in this." Like you, do you had no idea when you came in with your trepidation? No. <laughs> you, you, if somebody had told you about you're going to have heart openings and experiences of adoration, you're like, "I'm just coming here to get my ass spanked." I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. But. <laughs> But this is so much better. And yeah, it just speaks to that desire, that knowing inside of us, like, oh yeah, sure. Like this thing feels good. But then the thing that I got was so much deeper and so much yeah. better and has brought me on such a amazing journey to where I am now. And 
um, now I teach some of my own things and I never yeah. did I expect that. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I think this is the most, it's like the, it's the part that's most difficult to convey to people who are on the outside looking in into BDSM. Right. They might not understand because or they're triggered. It's very, yeah, it's very hard to explain to them because BDSM especially, because it's also so visually appealing. Yeah. You have the outfits and the leather and the vinyl and you women in your outfits are terribly <laughs> distracting. It's hard to think of anything with a babe dressed up in a corset. All you can think of is sexual things. So when you start telling people that all these other energies are possible, they're like, whatever. I just want to get some good sex, which is fine. But it's it's so wonderful that the depth and the richness that's possible and then again as i say it's really satisfying to see people make those discoveries for themselves mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and i love that we're speaking to this because i know some of this work when you put it out in the world it can be totally polarizing because people don't they don't really know the depths of what's possible so i'm curious no. how you how you are with that because I am I know that you get people who are <laughs> up in arms <laughs> about some of the things right. that you talk about they are and you know I, it's a it's an ongoing uh, little bit of a tightrope walk if I could somehow reach only people who were receptive to my ideas I would address myself only to them i don't know how exactly to do that i i'm actually not interested in triggering people or forcing myself on the naysayers but it's just the nature of getting ideas out they're going to land on people who are not a yes to it and then they push back of course. but i'm like actually not terribly interested in convincing anybody yeah Truly interested in like, listen, this is what I do. If it's appealing to you, by all means, seek seek me out. Or if not, then and if not, it's fine. I don't care. I don't. I don't claim to have the answers to everything. Mm -hmm. But I have found this to be useful. I find this beautiful. Many people I have offered this to have found them useful. Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of trying to take that approach but it is it is pretty chargy i think even more than bdsm when we try to extrapolate these principles to man women relating that people really set their hair on fire at that point. <laughs> yes right. and listen and there, i understand the reasons for it too i cover it pretty much in the first module in my bdsm class i have a because it needs to be addressed and the basic basic point of confusion is between consensual domination and submission and non-consensual domination and submission. Mm -hmm. So this is the this is the trigger point. This is because I like to understand things. I'm like, why is it this is happening and why is it so hard? And I'm like, oh, this is why it's happening. Because those who are viewing it, viewing either BDSM or even hierarchical man-women relating through a political lens can only see non-consensual domination and submission. Course. And there is non-consensual domination and submission in this world. There has been tremendous amounts of non-consensual domination and submission through human history. Right? I tell in my handout, every story in every newspaper every single day is probably about some kind of non-consensual domination and submission. 
our we are seeped in it. Yeah. Every crime committed is non-consensual domination. Every act of violence is non-consensual domination. Every act of war is non-consensual domination. Every time somebody cheats somebody, every time somebody steals from somebody, every time somebody hurts somebody, it is non-consensual domination, right? Somebody is doing something to somebody that that person doesn't want done to them, right? So our world is seeped in this. So when they see a BDSM scene, where they see a dom sub dynamic, or where they see a hierarchical man-woman relationship, their lens goes to, this must be non-consensual. Right. The person in the dominant position is harming the person in the submissive position. They have power over them, right? They don't understand what consensual domination and submission is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest uh, rift. So we are... So when those people get mad at me or somebody like me, we're actually not talking about the same thing. Right. We're not actually having the same conversation. They're not actually arguing against my practices of consensual domination and submission. They don't even understand right. what consensual domination and submission is. They see domination and submission and they think it must be non-consensual. And if it's non-consensual, then the person in the dominant position is bad, evil, criminal, oppressive, mm. destructive, and they must be stopped. Which is the correct mindset if you see somebody on the street beating somebody up, you should stop them. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's understandable, and yet I think we, for the most part, we're kind of talking past each other a little bit. Right. It's like at that point, it's kind of even hard. If it's yeah. Not even this is this is also why I am so I encourage women to speak about their desire for their submission for women to be vocal about it and I know it that's hard for women because a lot of them simply want to have their fun in private they don't want to go on the record for all this but I think if there is like one phenomenon that could heal this division would be if women stand up and say hey listen we're not victims nobody's harming us mm -hmm. I want this I get off on this this is being done for my benefit and pleasure I think they kind of need to hear from the women but uh, I'll say it now on the record <laughs> I want this I get off on this <laughs> Uh, they yeah. will and then then the adamant among them will tell you sweetie you have just you internalized know. you I just know. have you have internalized misogyny <laughs> yes and i'm like okay like you're allowed to have those thoughts and it is so interesting to me it's like of course this world that we're in i can understand that people are traumatized of course yeah. there's that and yeah. when i feel into and like i know i know what you're teaching when i think about what I've learned in our connection too is just how much freedom is there, you know, like the level that of freedom that I feel in myself, how yeah. I've learned my boundaries. Like now I can like exquisitely clearly express my boundaries and my needs. And if something isn't being met, I know how to say no. Right. And I learned that through BDSM, through learning that with you. Right. 
And it's, it's changed my life. And I do wish that, I mean, I, I have a hope and a prayer that people can start to understand what is possible and our own personal power when we touch these places. Yeah, I agree with you. I've always said that uh, people in the BDSM realm and community understand boundaries and consent better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Partly because they play with boundaries, partly because they do edge play. So they really have to have clear understanding and boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I often joke with my mentor and collaborator, Laurie Handlers. We teach Tantra meets BDSM together and We've both been in Tantra circles. Like, yeah, compared to BDSM practitioners, modern Tantra has very bad boundaries. Mm-hmm. Sloppy boundaries. Yeah. So, yeah, I think if anything, this is one place where BDSM has a lot to contribute to common culture is to teach people about expressing their desires completely, fully. And, you know, and part of that also involves, as you said, you have to own your desires. It's impossible to not own your desires and have clear boundaries. Right. You can't start in the fog and then draw straight lines. It really doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So BDSM kind of forces the people to like, you know, you need to go on the record for your desires. Right. If you want a flogging, you're going to have to say, I like being flogged and I want to be flogged. You can't just say, hmm. And expect to get your flogging because <laughs> it's dangerous. It is. It you is. can't because often, and this is again, this is this is a point that that applies to the feminine a lot more than the masculine because women oftentimes uh, want to operate in kind of the deniability of desire. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it, but you do, and your coyness may allow you to get away with things in regular relating, but it is disastrous in the BDSM realm. You cannot be a coy submissive who is not expressing her desires, who's not asking specifically for what she wants or calling her limits in real time. There is no room for coyness. You will simply create breakdowns, right? So you have to own your desires. And once you own your desires, you can make clear requests. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering how many people are going to get pissed at us for saying her for submissive. Or which part? For saying so, calling submissive her and um, him, but that's, you know. They can can blame me for that. Yeah, (laughs) I I think most women on the planet are submissives. Go ahead, lynch me for it. (laughs) I I used to say different. I used to, you know, even I I have tried uh, watering myself down over the years. And then there's a part of me that's like, when I make a statement, a part of me says, you know, that's not true. Yeah, right. most women on the planet are submissive. They are not doms. I agree. And I so appreciate you for not trying to like make everybody happy by making every statement that you say have to fit all yeah. of these things that we're supposed to be so sensitive to now. I'm interested and truly I'm interested in understanding. I'm not saying anything that is my ideology. This is my observation. Right. And the observations are complicated. The observations don't always add up. So most women are submissive, but that doesn't mean most men are dominant. They're not. There are a lot of submissive men in this world. Mm -hmm. And how that arithmetic adds up, I don't completely know. I don't know why that is. But this is my observation. The only natural dominant women I have seen tend to be lesbians. Mm They're usually God-made lesbians and they love women and they love fucking women and they love dominating women and being with them as a man is like being with a dude. 
and it feels great. We can hang out together and we, we can talk about bitches together. It's fun. It's a great energy. But it's like this woman has a woman's body, but she's like a total dude inside. Mm-hmm. And those women, yeah, when they say they want to dom women, I know what they mean. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's interesting. But as far as straight women are concerned, I would have to go out there with a lamp in my hand to find straight women <laughs> who genuinely get off on submissive boys and doming submissive boys. It, it's just not the case. Yeah. And human human life is complicated and there are always going to be exceptions. But those women truly would be exceptions. Right. There are very few. Do you know any? <laughs> um, no. No. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that's a anything problem. I think it's just the way it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's totally fine. So this is also why, you know, as a, as a side point, why Lauren and I decided to create this course specifically for women because we there's a training we could offer men as well. But this is a this is a specific uh situation that shows up that there are a lot of submissive men in this world. They are willing to pay for sessions. They want to be handled. There are a lot of wonderful, amazingly talented women who are doing session work. And there's a great market for them to learn BDSM skills so they can handle these men. And these women in their personal life are submissives. So they actually need that special training and container where they can have expression in their own submissive archetype and then also acquire the lessons and masteries so they can go and handle these submissive men and make a very lucrative living. Maybe I need right. the next round of that one. Um. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 a very specific scenario that fits with what's out there. We are not creating what's out there. Mm-hmm. We are trying to make it uh, effective, make it work. Thank you for that. So yeah. I'm curious, what else you have, what else you're up to in teaching right now? I, I know you, I feel like you always have um, weekends now you're all over the world and so exciting. I am traveling a bit. Lori and I are going to be in Vienna, August one through six, doing our Tantramis BDSM retreat. Uh, we're in conversation about a couple of other in-person courses. We might be in Austin first weekend of September. We might be in Toronto later in September. I have my online courses, and I'm also uh, designing some other courses for men. There is a weekend course I'm designing for men to which you will be invited as a practitioner if you're in my town, (gasps) which is I want the men to pair up with women and I want the women to give them reflections and feedback on how they've occurred to them over the weekend so that they can have that real data from multiple women. It will be done in a very very (laughs) standardized form. I'm like, when and is you, it? I will be flying it. I want to. I want to do it. I want to do it uh, in in mid to late July, so a couple of months. Okay. okay. So I have a few I more things to iron out, so. and I will send you. The, I would love for you to be there. I can oh. pay you a little bit of money, not a lot, but I do want the practitioners to be paid, and there won't be any sensual contact. You're basically interacting with the men. They may give you some little bit of physical touch for so you can measure how well they can give you physical containment. Oh my God. Yes. So but apart from that, I want them to engage with multiple women and have each woman independently give her reflection to the man on how he is occurring for her in many different categories. 
I'll have a form for you as I do. <laughs> and then at the one. at the end of the weekend, the men will get all their various forms from various women anonymously. Wow. Without your name. So that they can see the reflection on how they are occurring to women and where they are strong, where they are weak, and where they need work. Oh, that is so good. I, I just feel like my pussy is like, yes, I want to be there for that. <laughs> yeah, I'd love for you to be there for that. Amazing. So that's and I, I see a lot of possibility in that particular model and that particular mm-hmm. reflection structure. So I feel down the road I'm going to be doing more of that mm-hmm. in a way for both for both sides. But the, the men and women have to be handled a bit differently. But for men, the format is a bit straightforward and information based. Oh my gosh, so excited for that! Amazing. Well, we're gonna link absolutely all of these things in the comments. Um, I mean, in the, in the blurb on the podcast and, uh, before we close, I'd like to know if there's anything else you'd like to say before we end for the day. Uh, well, if if people are interested in the work I'm doing, they can check it out at Mm omrupani.org. I have a lot of free material and videos and modules on my teaching website, which you can access at omrupani.com. It's free to join the platform. So if you're just curious about my work, you can check me out there. Thanks, Om. Thank you so much for saying yes to coming on today. It's like such an honor. You know, you've been my pleasure. a big teacher. Yeah. And, and when you're ready, you and I should uh, do some scenes and put them in my online library. So you can show mom what you're up to. I knew that I would like that. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm a yes. (laughs) Oh, I love you. Good. Well, thank you so much. I love. Thanks for having me. It's always great to talk to you, and it's wonderful to, it's wonderful to see the arc of our connection over the past decade. Yeah. Wow kind of crazy from that literally girl (laughs) shivering shivering like a chihuahua no and like let's videotape it let's videotape and show it to the world (laughs) oh my god the the corruption of meredith is complete i can i the corruption of meredith i think i can write that novel in about six days Oh. And on that note, until next time, <laughs> serving love. I love you all. Thank you for listening to Serving Love Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. You can find me in social media as Meredith Lynn. Until next time, I wish you lots of love.